0: and we're recording so hi everyone this is we don't know yet a podcast where we learn something new every day today we have the distinct pleasure of talking with miss rachel scott rachel thank you for meeting with us today
1: thank you guys for having me
0: yeah
2: thanks for being here this is awesome
0: so rachel again thanks for coming on to the show if you can give us a quick rundown on who you are what you do and what's gets you fired up and getting out of bed in the morning
1: yeah. Um, so I am a journalist at ABC News. Um, I'm an award-winning journalist there, where I produce, I report, I host, covering everything from politics to entertainment. I've been to the Oscars. I've covered the midterms. I've covered the 2016 um, election, and so I do a little bit of everything um, at ABC News, um, from interviewing celebrities like Oprah and Serena Williams uh, to covering different sort of events. Um, and it's great. Um, and I think journalism is, is definitely what, what, what gets me out of bed in the morning. I love my job. I love what I do. Uh, I spend a lot of time doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just amazing to be able to, whether it's inform people about things that are happening uh, in the political sphere, or if it's you know, maybe inspiring people by doing an inspirational interview with someone, you know, like Oprah Winfrey or Serena Williams. Um, I really enjoy the platform that I have through ABC News to communicate to our audience.
2: Mm. So pretty much you're just saying you're just, you just bossed up. You just, hear (laughs) you just hear just just killing it. Serena Williams, Oprah, like how many people could say that? Could you're like, we're all around the same age, around 26, 27, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: How does that, how does that feel? Just like being at this place, you have so much more to to go. We'll tease that out, but like, how does that feel at this point in your career?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's always this sort of imposter syndrome, as I say, um, (laughs) that happens when, you feel like they're, you're you're not doing enough. You can always do more. And I remember at the beginning of my career three years ago, getting to ABC News and thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Like when I can interview someone like Oprah Winfrey, I will made I will have made it. I would be done. I, I you know I'm gonna pop the champagne bottles. I'm gonna yeah. be so excited. And then that moment happened for me, and I was like, "Oh my goodness." I'm so happy it happened. I'm so grateful, mm-hmm. but there's still so much more to do. Right. Uh, so I feel like that always happens, you know. I mean, it's very hard to reflect on your own accomplishments and think that you you have come so far because you know you have such big goals for yourself and the more things that you want to accomplish. And I see people out there that are changing the world, and you know, sometimes I'm just happy that I'm I'm able to interview those people and right. hopefully other people can be inspired by the good that they're doing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So real quick, Rachel, I'm curious, because obviously like you're around our age now. Is there anyone because you probably have people that are, you know, 30, like later, like their 40s also that you've looked up to, but is there anyone around your age doing some of the stuff mm-hmm. you do that you may also be looking up to or like be yeah. you know, chasing a little bit or not really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think the best part too about um, being in New York and being in media is that there's so many people around you and that you build up this kind of squad that everyone is doing it and they're accomplishing things and we're all working in different outlets and uh, maybe different companies but we're all there rooting each other on Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know her personally but I think Taylor Rooks who uh, does a lot of sports stuff I mean she is just absolutely killing it in her field and she's one of those people where I don't know a lot about sports I can't talk to you (laughs) uh, much about uh, you know I can't hold a conversation for too long about football and all of that Uh, but she's someone that's young I think she's she She's like 20, 26, 27, maybe even younger. And she's absolutely dominating her field. And I think people are so looking for people that are authentic, right? You know, like- You want to see people that are just like you, um, and she conveys that 100%. Gia Peppers is another one. Uh, she's a host, and she she absolutely kills it. And I don't know her too well either, but you know we we all kind of follow each other on social yeah. media nowadays. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a feeling, and you follow people back. But I mean, those are two two black women that I think are absolutely killing it in their game. And I always get inspired. I mean, I look at social media and try and use it as a tool to get inspired by the hard work that people are accomplishing and doing and um, every time I see one of their posts I'm like all right yeah you guys are killing it like I'm I'm ready now
2: yeah okay outstanding for those who are listening listening in they know that this is a really awesome uh, episode to to be engaged in right now so they're going to want to know where your origins are so why broadcasting like what really drew you into this profession
1: yeah, I you know, I it's so funny. I wanted to be a doctor. Um <laughs> yeah. and I remember I took AP chemistry and I was like, nah, this no, ain't this ain't gonna ever. work. This ain't gonna work. And I don't know why in my head, I mean, in high school, just going all the way back to high school, I would host like, you know, the rallies and I would, you know, read the announcements over the school PA system. And it never really hit me that having conversations with people and just being authentic and asking questions and uh can can, can be a career. Um, mm-hmm. I always looked up to people like Oprah and I loved watching the news and I always had this curiosity, but it never hit me that that was actually a profession. Yeah. Um, I was always good at writing. I always loved to write uh, and I was always inquisitive. I was always asking questions. And so one, one day, you know, my journalism teacher was like, uh, I mean, a yearbook your teacher actually was like, Hey, listen, have you ever thought about journalism? This seems like the perfect fit for you. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, actually I haven't. And once I looked mm-hmm. into it, it, you know, you have these moments where things just click. And that was the moment where things just really clicked for me. And, um, I was just so lucky that, you know, I was like, okay, well, I think I found, you know, my, my field and to find it, that early before going to college, because listen, we all go through the period of like, what are we doing with our lives? You know, we switch all the time or am I in the real right field? Am I doing the right thing? Um, and that's totally normal, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I I just feel so grateful that I was able to find it, you know, in, in, in high school.
0: Okay. So obviously you've been doing the whole speaking thing since high school. It wasn't, I guess, may not have been too nerve wracking, but Yeah. What was your, if you can tell us about your first time behind the mic on the job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So this is, let me go back. Let me go back a little bit. So in high school, once I figured out that I wanted to do journalism, I applied to USC, University of Southern California. That was the school I wanted to go to. They have one of the best journalism programs in the nation and Mm -hmm. I applied and I got rejected. Ooh, and I was devastated. Like when I tell you my mom took off the rest of the week, she was at <laughs> home with me, like, you know, bringing me cookies. I'm like, what do you mean? People were calling. I mean, you would have thought that like somebody died. I mean, oh, I know it was so privileged to think about now crying over uh, a college and getting rejected, but that school was everything to me. And so yes. I decided, you know, I, I went to UCI, UC Irvine for my first year. And I decided in that first year that I'm going to do everything I can to prove those admission counselors were wrong. So I used that year as, you know, that rejection as my motivation. Um, And I just started to apply to tons of programs. And one of those programs was the Emma Bowman Foundation, which gives minorities a chance to intern. Um, They partner with, I think think it's over 50 top media companies. And so my corporate sponsor was CBS News Uh, Uh. and CBS Brought me on for four years. I had a four-year internship with them every single summer of college. I was able to go there and intern. I got paid. I also got a scholarship out of it.
0: There
1: we go. And it was great. And then I applied to USC that same year and I ended up getting in. So it was a win-win situation. Uh, But that was really... You know, one of the first times where I got experience uh, and I got to go in the field, and they just were like, "Hey, we're sending you out with a camera person. Go out, ask questions." And I would start pitching things, and yeah. I really fell in love with that. Um, and so I would say that that was one of the best things that could have happened to me. And that program really, really set a precedent for the rest of my career. Being there and being able to be in that newsroom uh, every summer, and then it turned into a job while I was still in college, and Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful for that.
2: No, that's amazing. So I think for the three of us, and something that you teased out through that story was um, something that we read in, I want to say Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe in one part of that uh, book, he's talking about the accumulation of advantages, right? So you talked about how uh, when you're in high school, there was a certain teacher who was like, you should be uh, in journalism, that may have saved you four or five years trying to figure out what you wanted to do because it was something that was kind of illuminated for you. Now you go in, you take that rejection, and now you 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 dovetail that into a four year internship at CBS. Like, like where do you hear that? You know, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So you've kind of to- talked about how you started off in this internship, and for a lot of us, even myself, I'm in the professional world. And, you know, we start off in an internship, you may start off as, as an associate, and you kind of move on to maybe senior level positions. So what were, after this internship, what were some of the levels of advancement that you had to go through to arrive at um, the place that you're at now?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's always like important to explore, you know, different Opportunities too, and you're right. I mean, paying attention to those moments where things happen, and sometimes I think it's also important to take advantage of opportunities outside your field. Uh, For instance, that year period that I was talking about, where I was at UC Irvine studying and trying to prove USC counselors wrong, um, I also applied for an internship at the White House, and I ended up getting it. Um, I, I applied on a whim, thinking, "Okay, I would never get this in a million years. Who works at the White House?" I applied um, and I was an intern under President Obama in, uh, that was 2012 when the president was running for re-election. I was in the White House communications office uh, and that became a pivotal moment for now what I wanna do, that uh, now that what I wanna do in journalism. Um, I got to sit in on every presidential interview that that President Obama okay. did during that term. Wow. So Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer, uh, you know Steve Croft with CBS, MTV Sway. I was in the room for all of those interviews, and that led to making connections with those you know TV producers and the talent and the people mm-hmm. that were there in the White House, while still learning this political you know sphere and political journalism, getting up to speed. Um, and those are still contents that that I have today. Uh, one of the producers that I met while Barbara Walters was interviewing the president and first lady works at ABC and we still stay in contact all these years later. Um, So I think... It, sometimes we think of our careers as, you know, very linear, right? We think we have to go, all right, well, if I'm interning now, the next step up, I need to intern at a bigger company. And then after that, I need to move to like a mega company and I need yeah. to have a better title. And it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. You know, sometimes taking, a, you know, a derail what you may think is a derailment, right? Or taking, you know, um, maybe a smaller position that, that allows you to do more or hey, I'm kind of interested in politics, let me go work here for a little bit, or maybe I'm having an interest in in this field, even though it's not on this linear path that I always thought of, maybe let me try it. Um, sometimes that ends up helping you more than you could ever think. And those people can also point you in the direction of where you want to go. And, hey, if at the end you didn't love it, so what? I learned, hey, I don't want to work in the White House. I want to be the one asking the questions, you know? And, And that became pivotal for me now as a reminder of like, okay, well, I'm so happy I had that experience. I made all the contacts that I needed to um but i don't want to be the one that's a staffer i want to be the one that's asking those tough questions on the other side of the podium um, so i think for it's important for people to remember that that you don't always have to look at things in such a linear process and careers go all over the place you know it's always a zigzag and if you look at anyone's career that you admire don't just you know i love reading bios but there's so much to that that wasn't placed yeah. in that bio and you always have to remember that people stagger and they fall and they get up and they go all over the map and and you'll get to where you need to go. You just have to trust that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Rachel, we have a lot of college students that listen to this show. And when you told us about that experience at the White House, which is, like, absolutely amazing. Yes, um, the biggest thing I, I, I noticed from there is that, like, that helped you. First off, you got a bunch of contacts, but you pinpointed what you wanted to do. So with not just that, but are there any other specific things that you did that helped that other students didn't really do that maybe helped speed up your process into figuring figure out what you wanted to do and getting to the situation you're at right now.
1: Yeah. You know, I would say um, the first thing is kind of, if you know that there's someone that you want to look, that you look up to in a certain mm-hmm. field and you know, they live in your area or maybe they don't, but you have some sort of relation reach out. I mean, the world is so easy now, right? I mean, we have exactly. social media, you can find yeah. anyone it- it does not take much to send a message, and there are so many people that reach out to me on social media, and I always, always find time to chat with them, even if it's sending a, you know, asking, answering a few questions over email or in that Instagram message, mm-hmm. or it's setting up a call, um, or some people reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm applying to an internship at ABC, and I'll look over their resume and send it over maybe to the the recruiting manager, and so I think that people get nervous, right? I mean, yeah. about reaching out to people that they don't know they think they need this formal connection or interaction and so I would say that's the first thing if there's someone that you look up to reach out to them and get Mm -hmm. advice and start forming that relationship Um, I think the second thing is to say yes to everything Uh, even if it doesn't feel like the right thing uh, but you know that you know it may be the right thing say yes say yes to all those opportunities and all those experiences there was one time in college where I think I was working like three jobs I was like the reporter at the news station. I was the executive producer of the news station. Mm -hmm. I was working at CBS. I had another internship. I mean, it was just crazy. It was a lot. But I said yes to all of those things because, you know, they were all such good opportunities. Um, And if there's ever something that you can learn from it, then say yes. That's my big thing. Um, And always trust your gut. So I would say those two things and just, you know, put your head down and work hard. Don't get caught up With social media, social media is way bigger now than it was, I think, when Mm -hmm. I was in college um, with people posting excessively all their accomplishments and all of that, which is great. But use that as a form of inspiration and don't use that as a gauge to how you're doing in life because... You know, people only post the high re- highlight reel, me yeah. included. I don't post mm-hmm. the days where I'm at, you know, ABC at 3 a.m. crashing a piece or the days that I haven't slept or, you know, the days I'm getting off of one flight, heading to a new city and I yeah. only have one bag and or the days I was covering the hurricane and I ended up wearing the same shirt like four different times because <laughs> my bag got lost and my shoes yeah. got torn and like, you know, nobody posts all that stuff because that's, mm. the, that's the stuff that, you know, maybe you don't want people to see all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say, those three things you know, keep your head down, keep working, say yes to everything, and definitely continue to network um, as much as you can.
0: So, yeah. Rachel, one thing about what you said about saying yes to everything because it, it's funny you say that. I've, I've, I've talked and listened to a lot of different people, and some people that are like, I, I guess, deep into the professions try to tell you to learn how to say no because yeah. I guess <laughs> like, going through the process, they're like, Yes, yeah, say yes, but then at a certain point, and I mean. At a certain point, I feel like like some individuals get so much, so many opportunities that they're like, I need to learn how to say no. Do you feel that you're still – do you feel that there's a stage where you need to be saying yes and then a stage where you need to be saying no? Are you in the mindset of, I'm going to just keep saying yes and let these opportunities fall? How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say that's my, you know, when they ask you in job interviews, you know, what's your, what's your strength and weakness? I, I would say saying yes is mine. Um, because I see it as such a strength, like you were saying, I mean, it, it gives way to op- so many opportunities and you never know what's going to come out of you just saying yes to that one little thing. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is exhausting, right? Sometimes you overcommit yourself. Uh, sometimes you find yourself in a bind. Um, even this year at ABC, uh, there was, what, seven months where I was working seven days a week where I was working wow. my regular job at ABC News at the network. Mm-hmm. And then I took advantage and I said yes to this opportunity to be a local reporter at our ABC affiliate in Connecticut. So I would do Monday through Friday at ABC New York. And then Saturday and Sunday, I would work in Connecticut. Um, and I would mm-hmm. work three to 11. So I was literally working seven days a week. Um yeah. And I was doing it because I needed more live experience. I needed to practice being on my on-air presence a little bit more. And I knew that doing that local affiliate would help get me to the next level. But yes, of course, there were days where I was really exhausted and really tired. And, you know, coming back and continuing on the next week sometimes was really difficult. But I think in those moments, they really test you. um, And nothing is easy, right? I think sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, pressure makes diamonds, right? And so sometimes you have to go through that. But I agree. I I think you have to evaluate what exactly the opportunity is, you know, Um, and what you're going to gain from this. Is is it going to be a big moment where you're going to gain an added skill set to get you to that next level? Then the answer should be yes. But if this is going to be something that drains from your tank, that drains you a lot to the point where it's taking away from important things in your day-to-day, then the answer is no. Um, But if you're in college right now, the answer is always yes, period. Unless it compromises your grades um, and you're skipping class, the answer is yes. I mean, yes, have a balance. Still go to your football games and all of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it means, you know, maybe working a few Saturdays out of the year or taking on another summer internship, I mean, the answer is definitely yes.
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: definitely. So before um, we go to the next point, like that's something I want to highlight for everyone who's listening in right now. You talked about the importance of cultivating like a tribe of mentors. You talked about um, saying yes, which I think is crucial. But the thing I don't want people to miss is like working extremely hard. Like you're hustling, you're out here hustling extremely hard and making sure that every single day you're putting your best out there. So if you're listening in, make sure that as we're going into this next year, that you're really pushing, pushing uh, the boundaries on what you could be able to do. Mm-hmm. So one thing that, and um, like kind of teased out as far as like how you're able to differentiate yourself, like I could, we could just see it, just like based on just your personality and your drive, like you're able to get to that next stage. Um, but the one thing I wanted to really think about is that for most people, public speaking is like the, their number one fear right so everyone would say even you know like doing these crazy different things i would hate being in front of a, a crowd of people and giving a speech right so were you ever <laughs> <laughs> were you ever afraid of speaking in public or was that something that you're always just really good at
1: yeah i mean i still get nervous <laughs> um of course you and i think you know if you're nervous you care so you know i think it's always to get like a little jitters is is, is totally okay um But I think, you know, just remember to be your authentic self. If that's, you know, you giving a toast at a party, if that's you giving a speech at, you know, your college or maybe your high school, or if that's you, you know, reporting on television, I think people want to see people that they can relate to. And just being yourself and trying hard not to be someone else, I think, is so important. And I think sometimes in TV, you know, we look up to these icons. I mean, uh, listen, I've read everything that Oprah Winfrey has ever said, has ever written. I mean, I am an Oprah fan. I listen to her yeah. podcast all the time. Like yeah. that woman is my hero, yeah. but I'm not Oprah Winfrey. And as much as I want to be her and I want to learn from her, I am not her and I'm not going to be her. And I have to figure out how to take those things that I'm learning from Oprah and just how to make it Rachel. Um, and there are certain, there, there are important things that you can learn from everyone, but then at the end of that, you go, okay, well, how can, how could I add me, you know, where, where do I fit into this? And I think that if you come off as trying to be something that you're not and trying to be someone else you, people see right through that, you know? And so, um, I, and I would say also is planning what you're going to say too is super important, right? Um, mm. it, I, I think like there is no, we, I have a saying in TV that there is no such thing as live. Um. In the sense of, it's important to always be prepared. Uh, sure, there are live events where you're just getting to the scene and something just happens, and you have you have no you have no time to prepare anything than what is actually happening. Right, but if you are giving a speech or if you're talking in front of people, or if I'm giving a live report on something that you know I've been working on for weeks, then plan out what you're going to say. Uh, take time to to plan it out and practice. Um, And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with practicing. I think some of the best communicators, they probably look like it's very easy for you, but I bet you they spend lots of time in front of the mirror uh, with a hairbrush (laughs) uh, practicing and and get feedback and be open. There's been so many times where I've, I've called my friends Um, I've called my parents, I've called people that I love and care about. Um, and they have given me very honest feedback of like, Hey, listen, I'm thinking about saying this. How does this sound? Or maybe after the fact, maybe recording something and sending it to them, getting their thoughts. Um, but it's totally okay to be nervous. I think that's normal in front of anyone.
2: Okay. So walk me through this, this picture right now. So you're, you're getting ready for a show next week. You have your hairbrush, you're in front, in front of the mirror. (laughs) and you're going through your lines. Now you've, you've been able to prepare, now it's the day of, and let's say like something catastrophic happens. Like you were saying, like um, you flying in, you lose your bag or yeah. let's say the cameras aren't working. Um, or maybe there's something on your end that maybe like you may have dropped the ball and it's just like, wow, like how do I kind of circumvent this or mitigate this, issue, uh, this situation? So tell us about a time where you failed and how you bounced back.
1: Oh, yeah. There's been so many times. Um, (laughs) There's been so many times that I failed, of course. I I would say, gosh, I would say there, especially live TV, right? I mean, there's times where you mess up on air. Um, When I covered the hurricane, Hurricane Irma, um, and I went down there, and that was my first hurricane that I've ever covered, and I had no idea, you know, what to expect. Um, I was going down there new, and I was so grateful for the opportunity, but had no idea at all, like what to expect. I'd never been to hurricane before, um, so I would say I was definitely not as prepared to cover that storm as I possibly could. There were a lot of times on air w- during our live streams and whatnot that you know I would flub a lot of words, or um, you know, it, it, I felt like I was getting a lot mixed up in my head or word vomiting on air, and it wasn't making a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And there was also a lot going around in my going on in my environment, you know, right? I mean when you're in, in the evacuation zone one and you're in a building and glass is breaking and things are flooding and, right. you know, it's a, it, it could be a little scary, right? Um, and so I would say always coming back to your center, right? Um, and coming back to you and realizing that it's okay. It's 100% okay to mess up as long as you own it, you know, um, oh. they're, they're even reporting numbers, right? Uh, numbers change really quickly. So during the hurricane, yeah, there may have, there may have been a time where maybe I underestimated the number by, you know, 50 or hundred or whatever. And then you come back to the audience and you're, it's very honest. Hey, listen, I didn't have the correct numbers. Here's the correct numbers. I think, I think just like owning up to your, mis- your mistakes and being very honest with people, um, is the easiest way to go about it. And as soon as you realize that you make a mistake, even if it's not in a public setting, like on TV, um, in the workplace, right? Having a conversation with your manager immediately um, about how you can correct the mistake. Always go with a solution. Mm. Always go with a solution. Hey, I messed mm. up, but here is how I can fix it. Um, I think people really respect that and they look for that. But I think if you try and cover it up uh, or you just, just try and gla- glaze over it, um, the truth always comes to the light. And then it's, it becomes an even bigger problem. So I think as soon as you notice that you make a mistake, say something and just be honest about it because no one is perfect. Everyone has messed up. And sometimes I find what seems like a really big deal in our heads is often not as big of a deal. You know, it it may seem to you like the worst mistake ever on the planet, but it's not that big of a deal at all. Um, there, there's been times when I was writing at, at CBS, and I may have made a spelling error or made an error in a graphic, and it, it got published live to air, and you know I got in trouble for it. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, I'm sorry. Like I will make sure not to make that same mistake again. And right. that's another thing. If you make the mistake once, then you have to take the time to really internalize what just happened and say, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. Um, and you just grow from it and just always being positive in that retrospect it's probably not that big of a deal. Yes. You may get in trouble for it, but is anyone really thinking about that graphic error that I made on, you know, at CBS like four years ago? Probably not.
0: (laughs) Okay. Right. You know, Rachel, I'm curious because obviously when I use social media, I'm an entrepreneur. So I, I, I don't really care. Well, I do care what I say on social media, but it doesn't have an impact on me. As what on as with other people that work for big companies. Now for yourself, yeah. with how big it's becoming and how like how much it allows you to connect with the people you're speaking to every single day, has it played a substantial part in like your journey and what you're doing, or are you finding ways to use it in a way to help advance your career in any way?
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, social media is huge, right? I mean, you have I find for me, I have you know, if I do something on on air, I just um, I just covered this story in a Baltimore prison where all the moms are incarcerated. Um, and they're sorry. Let me, let me go back a little bit. I just covered the story in Baltimore and it's this girl scout troop and all their moms are incarcerated. Um, and they have girl scout meetings inside of the prison gym. Yeah. And it's this chance where these moms get to reunite with um, their daughters. And so a, a piece like that, right. I put something out on my social media and all of my friends watch it. All of my friends that are millennials, all my friends in the like, you know, eighteen to thirty on age bracket, kind of like watch it. Mm-hmm. But people like my parents' generation like don't really see that. Um, and so even I find if I'm doing something on air, I was in, you know, the network special of the eclipse, uh, and it got you know millions and millions of viewers. We led the coverage, but. My friends didn't see it. My friends were watching it online, Um, but my parents were watching it on TV. So there is this sort of like divide right now, right, Mm -hmm. Um, where you have the older generation that's watching stuff on television, and most of my friends don't even have cable, so they're watching everything online. So social media, I think, is such a huge asset. Um, posting to social media about what you're doing, um, getting people to engage, maybe asking questions. I love Instagram and this whole like polling and answering questions. I really found it to my advantage during the midterm elections, because here I am a young millennial covering the midterm elections. And most of my friends probably weren't voting in the midterms. And so taking that opportunity to like, I I mean if you follow me on social media you know that there was a whole two week rampage of like I was answering every person's question about the midterm election and and they, that got even simpler to like what are the midterms uh is is this the only day I could vote mm-hmm. and I was like there is no bad question you know how do I get registered what if my name is spelled wrong on my registration that then what do I do um so I really used that as an opportunity to kind of inform people on you know, different material out there so you can get educated um, and informed. ABC has, we did a lot of great interviews, of course, small plug, Um, but also kind of like, you know, notify people that the election is happening. And so, you know, using it also as a way to not just like publicize your coverage, but also kind of like answer people and engage with people and make sure that, you know, people see things all the time on social media, but they want to follow up on it, but they don't know who to follow up on it with. Yeah. Um, so kind of being that 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 source for people, I find was really cool and worked really well, I think, for the midterms
2: mm-hmm. definitely. So I think, like you said, social media has so many upsides, right? And it's a way to really um, create like this community in which you can share, you can gain knowledge, you can learn. Um, but as we all know, there's so there's so many different negatives to social media, too, right? Yeah, um, I think where we fall into um, maybe some negative uh, aspects is just comparison, like compare comparing ourselves to other people. Like for myself, like I've had to take a lot of different sabbaticals from mm-hmm. social media just because, um, oh, this person got a new job. Oh, they just got married. Oh, they have all these cute kids. Where am I at? Right. And we <laughs> yeah. all follow yeah. that sometimes. So how are you making sure that you're being inspired and you're inspiring on these social media channels, but not, subscribing to some of the distractions or the distractions that come with comparison?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, one of my favorite quotes is that comparison is the thief of joy because it so is. Um, yeah. When you go on social media and if you're comparing it to your own life, I mean, it steals your happiness away like that. And it's yeah. so easy. I fell into that rut for a while when I first moved to New York. Uh, and was working for ABC. I wasn't doing anything that necessarily was you know on a grand stage where I could you know post all these photos with celebrities. and I mean all that came uh, all of that came in time, those big interviews and I had to work very hard for them. But there was a period where I was just grinding it out where I was just saying yes at ABC and handling my responsibilities. I was starting at the bottom of the ladder and there wasn't anything that was quote unquote kind of like sexy about my job, you know. Um, and so I think that I had to take uh, some time too away from, from social media at that point, because I was using it as a way to get easily discouraged and to compare my life to other people's. I think it's important to remember that everything happens for a reason. And the timeline of your life is so different from those around you. Um, just because someone's doing something big right now, doesn't mean that they're going to you know, continue on that path. Hopefully they will, but they may not. People stagger all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think all of that energy that you spend focusing on other people is so much better used focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at that person and you say, oh gosh, they're doing this. Okay, well, what could I be doing? What, all this time mm-hmm. and energy that I'm spending scrolling and looking at these people's lives. What, what could I be doing in my own life? um, that could set me apart and make me different. Um, and I keep having to remind myself that as well. I mean, all this energy that you spend on social media is so much better put back onto your own life. Um, and you can't sit Pre- and compare Pre- yourself Pre- constantly, you know, like if you looked at my life that year, I got projected from USC, you know, there's no way that you possibly think that I'd be doing what I'd be doing now. You know, I mean, at all, and so you have to really have confidence in your journey, also, and know that your journey is going to work out the way that you want it to. I am a Christian. I'm a big believer of you know faith in God, and you know. that is my foundation. <laughs> and he grounds me. He he really does. He grounds me, and I think uh, that has been so helpful for me as well, knowing that. And don't mean to get all gospel here, but just knowing at the end of the day, God is always going to have my back. And God has set out a path for me and my future that is unique and that is different than everyone else's. And that's what makes me so great. And I know the blessings are coming because I am praising and I am, you know, working hard and just knowing and being optimistic that your time is coming. And there's no reason why that wouldn't come. And we, we live in a moment and we live in an environment where we want everything right now. And that sometimes that's impossible. I I want you to Google anyone that you look up to, uh, Viola Davis, Shada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith, I mean, Google anyone and, you know, attach with it hard times, challenging times. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, you will see something in their path and in their journey that tried and that tested them and where they went through a period without very many, you know, public successes Uh, but they came out better because of it. And so if you're going through that right now and you're finding yourself on social media and comparing all of that, just take a break, you know, take a break and you get centered again and realize, okay, maybe I am, maybe the root of that is because I want to do more things in my life and then actually action out a plan into how you can accomplish those things. Um, Social Mm -hmm. media is a great tool, you know, for inspiration for sure. But if you find yourself you know, spending more time getting sad because of it, then detach <laughs> for a little bit and get centered. And that's okay. And that's normal. You know, I think it's totally normal. But the big thing is recognizing when it's taking over your life.
2: Yeah. Preach. Preach, Rachel. Yeah, Preach. I'm a Christian.
0: Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Um, you know, Rachel, I'm curious because, I mean, I'll be real. I don't watch news on TV as much as I used to. Um, but yeah. when I do... I I don't see many like black women or young black women on air. So I'm curious because you have a lot of young women in general who look up to you, but as you were coming up and growing up, you mentioned like Oprah, obviously and women like Viola Mm -hmm. Davis, but were there any individuals that like you looked up to as role models that really fed into who you are like now?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes I find inspiration from people that aren't even in my field too. You know, okay. like Serena Williams. Um, uh, yeah. I I covered uh, the U.S. Open. I got to interview her months before, and we're talking about a woman who left the game at number one, right? And you know, she her in her pregnancy was treated like an injury. She was dropped down like something like 183 came back, fought her way all the way to the top, and then she lost. I mean, it was yeah. like a tragic loss. Um, and so many people felt deeply about it. I mean, it's even people, people like that, you know? I mean, you look up to that person and you, and you still realize that it's possible to fail. Um, yeah. And I look up to people that have overcome a lot, too. I mean, she is someone that, growing up uh, in L.A., in the inner city, and Her dad taught her tennis, her and her sister tennis, from reading a book. I mean, and the names that they were called, I mean, they used to wear beads in their hair when they were playing tennis. And their opponents would say that the sound was distracting, that their beads bouncing up and down on their hair, you know, that traditional black hairstyle that was distracting. Um, So people like that, that have overcome a lot. And it's true, I mean... In the media industry, sometimes you'll walk into a room and you will find that no one else there looks like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of the people that, people of color that are in public positions and maybe famous, uh, they have been in situations where they have found that they are the only person that looks like them in the room. Yeah. And use it, using that and reminding yourself that you were there for a reason and not being afraid um, to speak up um, uh, if it's something that surrounds if something that surrounds your perspective, lending your perspective, literally having a seat at the table. it took me a long time at ABC to realize that I could sit at the table like and it wasn't because yeah. anyone was telling me that I couldn't, but it was just like okay, like in my head, it is okay to literally actually like physically sit down at the table and have a conversation and share my perspective because my perspective is important and that's why I'm there and ABC values diversity and, the value values diverse perspectives, um, and so I think people that I look up to are people like you know Serena Williams. I mean, and Oprah, and a lot of Black women out there that have to ha- that have had to overcome obstacles by being the first in their field, um, yeah. and not just Black women, but any woman or you know men that are doing it too. Um, that are the outliers. That's one of my favorite books. You know, yeah. that have taken these you know these circumstances and taken everything that life has thrown at them and worked the 10,000 hours and perfected their craft and have become better because of it. Um, so, so yeah. Hmm.
2: So in line with that, um, being, um, maybe young black professionals and going into our careers and into these career spaces and we not seeing as many folks that look like us, um, sometimes is like this level of competition, right? Like, we go in with this lens, like, I need to be the best. Like, that's how we were groomed. I need to be the best. I need to outshine those who are within my external environment. So have you witnessed maybe any of that level of competitiveness amongst newscasters within your field? Uh, Or is this this general air that everybody wants to just succeed? Like you said, you have this squad. Does everyone just kind of lift each other up? Or is there just like, man, I still need to, even if I have my squad, I need to still be able to shine.
1: Yeah, I think that there are a lot of people that are very competitive in any field, Um, Mm -hmm. and especially in media. I remember in USC, it's a great journalism school, but everybody is very competitive. Um, Everybody's Mm -hmm. looking at each other like, what internship did they get? And, oh, you know, oh, I have an internship at CBS Local, but they're interning at CBS Network, and then they're interning with E, and they're on the red carpet. I mean, there is this level of you always... You, you get something and then you always kind of have to be better and it's exhausting. It is so exhausting. Um, I have finally gotten to a place where I don't want to compete. <laughs> I'm not yeah. interested in competing yeah. because I think when you finally realize who you are and you aim every day with just being your authentic self. Um, and I know I keep saying the word authentic, but just being you honestly mm. and realizing that there is no point in competing. There, there really isn't, um, because you're going to get to where you need to go. And sometimes, yes, I think being, you know, maybe one of the few women of color or whatever you think that you, there is, there are opportunities that you're competing for when really there, there, there are not, you know, there is a slice of the pie for everyone Yeah, there, there, there really is. And instead of pitting yourself against that person, finding ways to work with them, finding ways to learn from them. Finding ways to collaborate with them. I mean, we are all so much better when we work together. I mean, we really are. And so, if you find yourself feeling that competitive nature with someone, I mean, take an opportunity and and talk to them and learn from them and, and figure out how you guys can work together. Um, I think so much time is wasted on comparing yourself and being competitive um, when when that's not when that's not really needed. And also, too, I just kind of thinking about that time in USC. I, Um, I I love this quote that says, uh, you know, you go from room to room searching for the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. Um, and sometimes that we think that we need this added thing when we already have it. You know, sometimes we go, we go searching for this, this gold, this diamond and the diamonds in our pocket. You know, and it's just how do you use that diamond to work for you? And sometimes you don't realize what you have in your own arena because you're so focused on how you're competing or how you're doing compared to everyone else. When you have this gem of an idea, maybe when you have, you know, this this place where you're working, where you can really impact and make a difference and really get ahead in that particular space that no one else has. So right. instead of doing that, realize, realize your strengths and realize kind of your advantages um, and just stay focused on you. You know, don't, don't try to compete and don't fall into it. If people are doing that around you, my biggest thing is just, Hey, listen, always be nice. That's always the, the first thing, but don't, don't fall into that competitive nature and don't go t- tip for tat with them. It never works out.
0: Yeah. You know? Okay. That that's, I think that's really interesting. You say that um, there are, I, I, I in at least the online coaching field or whatever, there are so many people that I know personally, and they use competition. I guess in a in a healthier manner, they're not trying to bring anybody down, but yeah. they're, they're trying to like, oh, I see him doing this. Okay, I want to one up him, and then another like even myself, I do fall into that uh, quite yeah. a bit. And, and but with us, it's a health healthy type of competition. Do you mm-hmm. let me ask you, like in terms of competition, do you ever do anything like that where it's like, Okay, girl, I see, you. okay, I'm a, I'm gonna do this too. But it's like <laughs> you guys are trying to bring each other yeah. up by competing, like any of that or, or not not really.
1: Yeah, well, I would say, you know, yeah, of course. Like I used to play, I used to play sports. I did karate for, for years. I played volleyball. I played soccer. So I am from like the competitive mentality of like, all right, we got to win. We Uh got to go in and we, and of course there is competition in media too, where you're always trying to outdo your competitor, right? Like we're always trying to get to a story first. Um, With social media, we're always looking at numbers. So even if I do the same story as a colleague at, or a former colleague at NBC or something, I'm always trying to see, okay, did my story get like X amount of (laughs) views more than theirs did? And how could we tell it differently? And there has been times where like, you know, in media, they have these like, press pool events right where they'll they'll have a celebrity there or maybe they'll they'll have a story and they'll invite media from all these different outlets or a red carpet right they'll invite media from all these different outlets yeah and so um yeah like when I was at the Grammys this this past year I was like okay well how do we ask the questions differently and how do we get the eyes you know on our stories versus this person standing next to us okay. and I think if you're using it in that way it's always like always fun and always fun to one-up each other But there's also times too where I get shown up (laughs) and I'm like, okay, like, you know, my friend, one of my best friends, Madison Mills works at New York Magazine. And I did a piece with the Rockettes where I learned how to be a Rockette. And she just did the same one and her piece blew mine out the water. And I was like, oh, man, like her piece looks so much better than mine did. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and it took it as a learning opportunity. Like, OK, I could have done that. I could have done that right. differently. I'm inspired by that. And so, you know, now for my next piece, I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to use those things, use, use those tools that I picked up from her uh, to make mine a little bit better. But okay. yeah, I think some healthy competition is always good. And you can't avoid it. But if it's pitting, you know, pitting yourself against someone to the point where it's affecting your careers and gossip and all those negative things, like, avoid it. But if it's all fun and games, yeah, you know, it's it's all love.
0: There you go. All right. Well, I have a question that if you can remember your mindset in these two different times, I want to see what we can get out of it. So if you can think back to, like, eight-year-old Rachel and then think to Mm 18-year-old Rachel. Um, and this whole episode was about finding your voice. So is there any different information that you would give those two, those two girls to help them find their voice in regarding to whatever there is that they're trying to do?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. That's really good. Um, oh gosh, I would say eight-year-old race, Rachel. I grew up um, in an area that, uh, surrounded by people that did not look like me. I went to a school that was predominantly um, Asian and white. Um, and I was one of few black kids that attended that school. And eight years old, that was the first time that I was called the N-word actually um, yeah. in yeah, in third grade. And I had no idea what that word even meant. Um, yeah. And I just remember feeling so different. Uh, gosh, I remember feeling like an outcast and I had braids and I, I was much taller than, darker than everyone. And my brother was the cool kid. He was a year older than me and everyone loved him. And um, you know, he, he was athletic and he was good at everything. And I think it took a while for me to understand my place. Um, so I would tell eight year old Rachel that, you know, it's okay to be different. Um, and it's okay to, to feel different, uh, but never try to feel less than, um, don't use your differences as, as a point where you're feeling less than everyone else. And don't try to conform to fit in. Uh, it's okay to stand out. And one day, those things that make you different will help you immensely. Um, and so spend less time figuring out how you could fit in. And maybe spend more time figuring out what you love and what makes you happy. Um, so, I would say that to to eight year old Rachel, who, my gosh, needed some help and needed some new clothes and <laughs> needed a new sense of style. I was struggling. Um, and then I would say, 18 year old Rachel, 18. So, when I got rejected at USC um, and I was going off to college, and I was so nervous, and it was a big stepping stone in my life. Um, I would say, even on your toughest days, uh, to 18 year old Rachel even on your toughest days find something to be grateful for um, mm. I think gratitude is really centering um, and I think if you wake up every morning with finding something in your life to cherish and be grateful for then you will always have a good day yeah. um, because there is so much to be grateful for in all of our lives even when we're going through the toughest of times Um, And so I would tell her that. And also, if you're, if you feel like you are really troubled by a circumstance, sometimes it's your perception on the circumstance and the circumstance itself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to change your perception, your mindset on a situation. So for me, getting rejected from USC, I was so devastated by it. But it wasn't until I changed my perception on that situation and, ch- and and used it right yeah. to help me did it really make a difference and so anyone out there that's going through a hard time i would say change your perception on on the situation uh, it happened there's nothing you could do about it yeah. <laughs> it's here you know yeah. the more time you spend thinking about it the less time you have figuring out a way to change it yeah. um so figure out how you can change your. and it's easier said than done you know but transitions are always rough. Also, you know, transitions are so rough and I think they help you move into the next phase of your life. And so embrace that embrace the discomfort, embrace it. Um, sometimes those create for the best moments.
0: Mm. Okay. So,
2: so Rachel, what's next for you? So right now you're at a beautiful place in your career, in your life. Yeah. There's a lot of transitions you're going through right now. And what mm-hmm. is what is what what is Rachel in three to five years, what is she doing? And kind of piggybacking off the last question, what's some advice you're giving yourself as you're looking towards the future?
1: Yeah, well, um, I actually just accepted a job uh, covering politics in D.C., so I'm still okay. going to be working for ABC. Uh, but by the time that this comes out, probably I'll be uh, public and ready to go. That just happened this week. So I'll be moving to D.C., Um, So I am now in another period of transition in my life. Um, And it's exciting. Uh, It's very nerve wracking, of course, always. Um, And I find that I feel like my life is moving so fast that I'm just trying to get a grip on everything that's going on. Um, And so I think I'm just always, I think gratitude, right? Like gratitude really does center you. Um, And I think living in a place of thankfulness no matter how crazy things get, will always be a way to bring me back. And um, a lot of that has to do with my faith. And that's how I find myself coming back to the center. Every time I get stressed, and just like, I'm so thankful that I have these set of problems, Lord Jesus, because I know if I put them in a hat, I would not want the other yeah. people's, you know, I would want mine back. Yeah. Um, so I think, that, I think that's a big part of it. Um, And I'm just going to continue to remind myself of the things that I've kind of always done is having a positive attitude goes a long way. Mm. People want to be around positive people. And if you find a way to make every situation positive, even if when it's not, even when it sucks, even when it's hard, I think people will gravitate towards you. Um, And I just want to continue to just have that light and that energy and you know, find a way for God to use me in this new role that I'm going to be in, and in this new city, um, and and try my best to kind of, to conquer it. And we'll see. I think I have a lot of learning to do, so I'm excited to learn as well.
0: Okay. Outstanding. All right. So, Rachel, we're going to get into a a different sequence here. We're going to be doing rapid fire questions. So, we're going to ask you two questions in succession. We just want you to let us know what comes to your mind. Um, Okay. And yeah, we're just gonna like ride right into it. Okay. Right? So they don't have to be rapid fire
2: answers though. So yeah. you have a Okay, long- ooh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to abbreviate it at all.
0: Okay. So
2: first question, favorite color M&M and why?
1: Ooh, favorite color M&M, I think it's green. Um, yeah. There are green M&Ms, I'm not making that up. <laughs> It's like yeah. big news. Um, <laughs> no, green. I don't know why that just popped in my head as my favorite color, probably because of Christmas. Yeah, um, okay. Christmas is my favorite season. So I love kind of like the red and green M&Ms that come around this time of the year. Those are my favorite.
0: Okay. Cool. What are the top three books that have had the biggest effect on you?
1: Ooh, okay. Outliers um, okay. by Malcolm Gladwell, for sure. That's been that's been great. Uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama. I just started reading that. Yeah. That Ooh, is a, that's a, a really, really good read.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, and the third one. Oh, my gosh. This is really difficult. Because <sighs> I have like a few books in my head that I'm like, wow, do I want to pick that one? Do I- <laughs> it doesn't
0: have to be three. It could be, it could be more than three. We can bump it up to five. That'll make yeah. it a little bit easier for you
1: okay 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 well i gotta like throw an oprah book in here right i mean like Mm -hmm. she is (laughs) i feel like i'm just gonna go on for like ever and ever okay well what i know for sure um by oprah winfrey i would say i have a lot of that highlighted um uh i love that book um the sun does shine by anthony bray hinton it's oh. the story of this man that was wrongfully um, incarcerated okay. and he okay. spent, gosh, I think it was almost like 30, more than 30 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Mm. And he talks about how he found the light yeah. every day, serving time. And it's just such, it's such an inspiring book of like, if you're going through a tough time if that man could get through it. Um, yeah, that, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm like I can keep going on. I'm probably gonna pop back and be like I thought of another book. Wait. Wait. But yeah, those those four are really good.
2: Okay. Those are those are good reasons. There's a couple of those I need to read as well. So, what things in life should always be free?
1: Ooh. What things in life should always be free? Oh, that's such a good question. Um. Wow. I would say, number one, happiness, right? You never have to pay to be happy. Um, I would say kindness, too, right? Like, and just thinking, like, monetarily. People always think that they have to, like, pay for something, for someone to do something nice for them when you don't at all, Um, you know, I I always how can I be kind to someone today? I, I think about that all the time, and whether that's smiling or opening a door, and you never know what people are going through. So sometimes just the smallest gesture can really go a long way. Mm. Um, so I would say that I would say that for sure. Um, there are a lot of things I would like to make free, like transportation and Uber <laughs> and
0: Lyft, <laughs>
1: but but we won't we won't go there. <laughs>
0: yeah so what is something that you believe that other people think is absolutely
1: insane Mm. yeah um gosh well always say yes people think that i'm crazy for that i will people that i work with think that i'm crazy for that because you know we are i think um more than ever as it should be people are really prioritizing you know their mental health it's so needed now, and like mm-hmm. relaxation and rest days and all that is so important and so sometimes yes, like saying yes can can detract from those things that are really, really, really important. so people think I'm crazy for that. Okay. Um, I would say that people that know me well are always annoyed that I have something positive to say in a negative (laughs) situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's like, okay, Rachel, can we just have one chance where we could just like bash and not be like Mr. Positive Patty or Positive Peggy? Um, Mm. My uh, coworker on Friday called me a real life elf. He's like a little elf <laughs> all year round. Um, you walk around and you're just prancing and you're happy and you're like, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Um, yeah. So, but I would, I just believe that like, you know, always just being happy and positive can just go a long way. There's, there's so many things in life to just be angry about. Yeah. And yeah. we just, our time is limited. Time goes by so fast. And so mm-hmm. I would just like people to always have a, a, a positive impression of me and, even if they feel a different way about me, they'll always be like, you know what? Rachel's always happy. She's always in good spirits. You know, she always brings some type of good energy into a room. So I would say that. And also, um, you know, I think that, yeah, people, people would, people would always question. Some people think it's crazy. The work, work, work ethic, rather. Mm -hmm. Um, I work crazy hours, you know, some days I'll be I'll get off at six and I'm back in the studio at 3 a.m. to do, you know, maybe our early morning news programming and people, people have always found that to be a little crazy. Um, but that's just the nature of the game and the business. And I think when you love something, you'll know that you love it because you'll do anything for it. Um, and I love my job, so I tend to do anything for it. <laughs>
2: um, nice. you got the next one
0: okay um how often do you get a good amount of sleep
1: Ooh, not often if i'm being completely honest um i i feel like i don't sleep like i don't get what is the 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 good hour like like eight hours right
2: yeah
1: uh, yeah no so I I've been trying to wake up earlier and earlier every single morning I find that I am very productive in the mornings um mm-hmm. but my hour but my hours vary you know so sometimes that's difficult like getting in a rhythm um when your hours vary so much um but I try really hard if I can to be in bed by 11. Okay, <laughs> sometimes that doesn't always happen yeah um But yeah, I would say sleep is like one of the, one of my goals for 2019 to work on, getting a little bit more sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All
2: right. And what do you love most about yourself?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I
1: would say at this point in my life, at this stage right now, I think I love discovering who I am. Um and and being okay with who i am more than anything uh, i think like i said before there was just a period where i practiced such self-hate growing up because i didn't look like everyone and i didn't talk like everyone and i wasn't you know obviously <laughs> like the other kids in in school mm-hmm. and i got teased a lot for it and all of that and i i think i've really owned my differences you know now more than ever um and finding truth in who I am. And some days, you know, like I I am definitely always excited and want to be out and talking to people. But some days I just want to curl up at home with a good book. And some nights on a Friday, I don't want to go out. Like I just want to sit down and maybe that's binge watching Netflix or, you know, maybe that's reading or maybe that's sleeping if I haven't caught up on sleep and being okay with that. Being like, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's really nothing wrong with me like, chilling here and not doing anything and just relaxing. Mm. Um, and before, I think I would be so nervous about what other people thought or am I losing friends or, you know, do I not have a social life? Like all these like social pressures. And now I'm just kind of like, okay, with like who I am and listening to my gut and what it tells me to do. Mm. And I, I love that about myself This at this point in my life.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. So, that concludes our rapid fire questions. So, you made Yay! it at the other end of the, of the tunnel. Um, with that, I uh, wanna thank you so much for just being here today. Um, I think that this episode, Finding Your Voice, is going to align with folks who are in college, those who are younger and trying to find out what sort of career path they wanna get into, uh, folks our age who are just trying to figure it out and just like, what's yeah. next? How do I discern opportunities? And uh, like you said, saying yes and being open to all these different opportunities and really hustling—those are some of the things that are really going to um, benefit a lot of people. So, for those who want to find more information about you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so I am at it's Rachel Scott, I T S R A C H E L S C O T T on Instagram. I'm Rachel V Scott on Twitter. Um, and if anyone listens to this, like I said, I'm always happy to talk to people. So if you're listening to this and you have a, a question or you want to, you know, you want to talk or if there's anything that I can provide my email, my personal email, um, uh, maybe email is at abc.com. So feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to chat and give advice, um, and connect, uh, and would love to kind of like learn more. Always, always willing to help.
2: That's awesome. So, if you're listening, make sure you take advantage um, of this powerhouse right here. It's not every day someone we'll just gives out the email address. So, if you guys have questions or um, would like advice or guidance, um, that's amazing that Rachel is making herself available. So, again, this is We Don't Know Yet. Um, make sure to check out our Facebook page, our uh, website, wdkyet.com, and we will see you all very shortly.